O que é a vida? É o princípio da morte. O que é a morte? É o fim da vida. O que é a existência? É a continuidade do sangue. O que é o sangue? É a razão da existência. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Astral Radio Z is a horror, cult, exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Terry. What is life, dear listeners? It is the beginning of death. What is death? It is the end of life. What is existence? It is the continuity of blood. What is blood? It is the reason to exist. And what is the reason to exist? Obviously, to listen to Astro Radio Z. So welcome back. Here we are. We're going to be talking about the infamous Coffin Joe movie tonight. At midnight, I'll take your soul. I'm sure you guys have been wondering. I, I'm sure it's been keeping you up every single night. You've been chewing away at your fingernails. I hope not. I mean, to talk about this movie properly, you've had to not clip your nails for at least three months. I mean, that's the only way you can really talk about this movie that we're going to talk about tonight. At midnight, I'll take your soul. But you may have noticed the show's schedule has kind of slowed down a little bit. We've been kind of busy. And we've also been running ourselves ragged. So I, at the beginning of this episode, I kind of wanted to just um, put a notice out there for everybody. Astro Radio Z is not going away. It is going to slow it down a little bit, though. Um, my Patreons already know, and the people in the Facebook group already know. Um, I kind of put a notice out there that um, things have been a little too chaotic and a little too busy for me lately. So I need to slow the pace of the schedule down just a tad. And at least for the next couple months, Astro Radio Z is going to be a bi-weekly show. I need to do it. I have to do it for my sanity. So hopefully that doesn't bother you guys too much and you stick around and you keep listening. Because obviously the last month, I want to thank you guys. You've made the last month of this show perhaps the most listened to month that I've ever had in the history of this podcast. 
And uh, that's very exciting to me. So what do I do because of all this excitement? I take two shows a month away from you guys. <laughs> not not intentionally, but I mean, I, I just, I need to. I have to for my sanity. So I just wanted to put that out there before we get into our show tonight. Just to let you know, if you're wondering why you're not getting your weekly Astro Radio Z dose, that's why. You still will be getting film jerks. You're still going to get cigars and conversations. And you're hopefully, I was talking with Paul earlier today, hopefully you're going to be getting some new episodes of Forsaken Film Reviews. But Astro Radio Z is going to come every other week, at least for the next couple months. We'll see from there. If the the bi-weekly thing works better for me, it may go on like that forever. Who knows? I I can't do the weekly thing anymore. I have I have to take a break. I have to live some life. So there it is. There is the, the housekeeping at the beginning of the episode. Now let's move on and let's introduce the, the fellow panelists that are going to come on tonight and talk about this insanely batshit crazy movie tonight. I have Scotty D. How are you doing? Doing good, sir. Good to see you. Good to hear you. Mr. Seth Paulin. Hello. What's going on, Derek? Ah, lots of shit. Lots of shit. We're finally releasing just let's let's do some shilling right off the bat on this show because you know we do nothing but Well, we we do nothing but complain about shilling on this show. I mean, if you had listened to our Traces of Death episode, that was one of the main jokes of the episode was shilling. It was hard shilling. But uh, we have finally, after so many years, tomorrow, well, it won't be tomorrow when I release this episode, because it won't come out tonight when we record this, but it's finally going to drop our movie Safe Inside that we shot a number of years ago is going to be coming out on streaming via Amazon, Google Play, iTunes, hopefully other avenues. When you hear this episode, it will be out. You'll finally get to watch it. And then I believe on the 22nd, don't quote me on that. I believe on the 22nd, it's going to finally drop through Amazon. You can go and pick up the Blu-ray and DVD. So that's going on. And also, I can I can talk about this because it was it's been kind of hinted at. We're finally kind of wrapping up Manos Returns. So there's so much going on right now with me in the background. So that's why I'm doing so much bitching about how fucking tired I am. And that's kind of why this show got pushed off a little bit because we only got together maybe twice and and dropped the show because I felt like I was going to pass out. (laughs) So that's where I am, Seth. What about you? What's been going on in your life? You took care of it, man. I'm good. I'm good. Scott, anything new going on in your life? Nope. Just you talking. <laughs> now I feel very self-conscious. No, man. Oh, man it's cool. At midnight, I'll buy your Blu-ray. Oh, oh, well, it's the good. only time. If you, if you buy it afterward, boy, you're going to go straight to hell. So It's a collector's market. So there's yeah. a, <laughs> After it's midnight, it's a collector's market. Only, right? only available at midnight. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's our gimmick. That's our gimmick. Well, let's go ahead and, and stop this nonsense, and let's get on with talking about Jose Moica Marines. At midnight, I'll take your soul.
para você. Meus amiguinhos. Corajosos. Guardem bem estas palavras. A todos aqueles que viram velório. Um rosto pálido e um cadáver. A todos aqueles que não acreditam em almas penadas. Ao que saírem deste cinema. E devem passar... Por ruas escuras, sozinhos, ainda atentem. Não assistam a esse filme. Vão embora! <risos> Tarde demais. Vocês não acreditaram. Querem mostrar uma coragem que não existe? Pois então fiquem! Sofram! Assistam! À meia-noite levarei tua alma! August was supposed to be director's month here on Astro Radio Z. As you can tell, it is now the 16th of August, and we're just getting to our first episode. What the fuck is going on here? I think the world and the spirits and the cosmos are plotting against us. We're going to attempt to get things back on track tonight. This is only the third time we've attempted, knock on wood, I shouldn't have even said anything to record this episode about Coffin Joe, but uh, here we go. We're going to talk about At Midnight, I'll Take Your Soul. I think Jose Moica Marin, I could be totally slaughtering that name. I have no idea. I think he's a director that a lot of people know about, and they've seen certain images of him because he's this guy who who's basically become famous being this character Coffin Joe that he created, um, in which is a man with a black top hat, a cape, and these obscenely long fingernails. Uh, they know him for that character, but they don't know that he has created tons of exploitation films. He's a Brazilian filmmaker, actor, composer, screenwriter. He he worked in television and in Brazil, he's a complete media personality. He became ultra famous back in the 60s for his character Coffin Joe, which kind of became his alter ego for a while. Um it is one of these things where back in the 60s, there weren't any horror films that were pre- being produced. And Jose uh, Moica Marin, he was a filmmaker at that time, and he was making dramas and cowboy flicks, westerns, and, and other television fare, but had this one dream in which he saw a figure dragging him into a cemetery And that figure left him in front of a tombstone where there were two dates on it, one of his birth 
and one of his death. The people at home were very frightened. They called the priest because they thought he was possessed. He woke up screaming and at the time decided, you know what? I need to use this dream and make a movie out of it. And because of this, he wrote, at midnight, I'll take your soul. Now, this character, Coffin Joe, he ultimately became, he almost wasn't Coffin Joe. He actually had to take over when he was about to produce this movie, the acting duties, because another actor had dropped out last minute. Then he became Coffin Joe. Now, boys, Seth, when was the first time you actually came into contact with a Coffin Joe movie or had seen the image of this character, Coffin Joe? Probably 2007 on the bloody disgusting message boards. I saw some talk of him and decided this is something I need to see. So I uh, jumped on that Anchor Bay UK box set, which uh, unfortunately is now out of print. And, and it's a lot of money to get yeah. because it, it's it like a casket or something like that. Oh, no, I didn't get that one. I just got the basic packaging. But it's got like six of his movies and a documentary and uh, popped in at midnight. I'll take your soul and immediately fell in love with Coffin Joe and uh, Jose Mejica Marin's just phenomenal stuff. So probably a little over 10 years ago. What would you, Scott, what would you liken uh, at midnight? I'll take your soul to, if anything. I mean, considering this is like what's considered the first Brazilian horror film, what would you say its ties kind of lie to its heritage? What, what do you liken this movie to, if anything? You have to kind of look at it for the time it was made and also the region it was made. A lot of the things that happened in this movie we will look at today and we'll say like, oh, yeah, that's a a neat bit and everything. I don't think that people would get just how daring and different and uh, blasphemous a lot of, of this movie, especially in the early scenes, I mean, it turns out to be a morality tale, but especially in the early scenes turn out to be. How this movie is, is what attracts me to it, is because it plays like I feel, always felt as a child, a lot of the old horror films would play in my nightmares. I mean, it's in black and white. It it flat out addresses the camera. It's just this long series of, you know, very low budget, like, terror thrills i mean there's no hokey winking at the camera there's no oh don't worry it's all in good fun it's like no 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 we're taking you on this dark journey and you know this if i mean if i would have seen this movie at 10 at say like 10 years old or something i would have wondered seriously if it was not made by some truly evil people <laughs> at some point because because of just how dark and uh how deep into the abyss it drags you and how effectively it does that that's the kind of thing that it, it just seems to evoke for me you know and of course then that's just doubled when you consider like i said uh the uh culture of brazil in the 1960s and where they really weren't making very many horror films 
and uh, where only recently had some extremely strict censorship rules been lifted. You bring up a good point is you have to take into account when even approaching this movie, the culture that it came from a very religious culture steeped in Catholicism and Christianity. And we have this character that centers it named Coffin Joe, who is the biggest asshole atheist you'll ever come across in all of film. Um, I think that he's seen as an evil and amoral character within the film. But if you look at what his personal philosophy is, his personal philosophy is that instead of positing all of his like trust and belief into a spiritual metaphysical being that he can't see or touch or talk to, he believes in himself. Which some people, from what I've heard, posit as kind of the roots of Satanism. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Coffin Joe, the original name um, actually refers to like a, a bitter Satan, I believe its translation was. And the Coffin Joe character is just this very headstrong, um, obnoxiously arrogant, he's an asshole. He's a, he's a guy because he isn't tied to a spiritual belief. He feels he has power over everyone else around him who have to sit and like basically bow over to a God that never helps them. So he believes that he's intellectually and spiritually. And when I mean spiritually, I just mean the philosophy of the self as opposed to some metaphysical construct or idea. He, he believes he's a stronger individual for being this way. And because of this, he treats anybody any way he wants. The, the town in which he lives in, in this film, fear him outright mostly because they fear anything that is blasphemous and he almost right off the bat in this movie makes sure that everyone knows that he does not give one fuck about their religious superstitions or anything that they care about all he cares about is himself now seth what do you think of this the philosophy in which coffin joe uh puts forward in this movie uh he thinks you know that he's basically his own God. And that puts him above anyone else in the village who, you know, spend most of their life on their knees praying to, you know, Christian God. Uh, he doesn't care about their way of life or their rules. He ordered lamb on good, good Friday. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he just doesn't care about their religious beliefs or their, their ways of thinking. He, uh, he overcharges them to bury them because he's an undertaker in the town and sort of makes a scene at the, the funerals, uh, flaunts himself. He's just a real big dickhead. I don't know if there's any better way to put he's it. A blasphemous man as far as anyone else is concerned. But he's just, he lives a really shitty, self-absorbed uh, way of life and puts himself on a pedestal that really nobody could take him off of as long as he has a breath left in him. Yeah. Do you honestly think Scott, that if anyone believed everything that he did, that he still wouldn't find them to be beneath him? He thinks that he has everything figured out. 
Uh, he's very prideful. That's the thing. Uh, you, you you get into all the, the sins, and which is the the movie makes a big deal of like, oh, the sinful man, all of his sins. And yeah, I mean, his sins include, you know, rape and murder and you know adultery and all these horrible 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 things his first sin is pride he he believes himself to be so superior to everyone else i have everything figured out you are like ants to me nothing's going to take bring nothing in this uh physical plane anyway is going to bring him back down to earth because uh he has not only does he like kind of exude this aura of superiority he has horrified the townspeople into being just capitulating to it because he because they just like shudder every time if anybody tries to take him on it's like one lone guy when let's face it i mean he's not that big of a guy i mean if no if 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 he like went after one guy, but like if another guy like held him, <laughs> coffin joke, he like getting a coffin of his own within the first five minutes of this movie. That's something that, <laughs> that constantly kept running through my head is that throughout this entire movie, which we haven't even really gotten to the plot yet, um, the the movie kind of centers around coffin joe who is this undertaker and and he's completely feared by all of the locals in this very religious small village he lives with his partner uh lenita who can't uh, bear a son to him she's completely infertile because of this he decides to kill her and he becomes obsessed with his buddy antonio's partner uh teresina and decides you know what I must have her so that she can propagate the sun to allow my bloodline and lineage to continue so that I may be immortal. That is essentially what this movie is about. It's it, When you listen to it in that way, it doesn't sound like a horror movie in any way. Because mo- as we've been talking about so far, the movie centers more around this Coffin Joe character and the idea of is being beyond religion and beyond superstition better than, than being somebody who is a, a person of God that has faith, that that doesn't necessarily feel that they need to walk outside of the, bo- of the boundaries that were given to them by the Holy Word, in which Coffin Joe does flagrantly, yeah. constantly. All the time. And as you had said, he rapes, he murders, he he literally gets in fights. There are groups of people, as you had said, that come after him. And all it takes is him to give them a look of his eyes. And they're so frightened by him because of their religious beliefs. They think he is Satan. I mean, do you think that, Scott? Do you think they believe he is Satan incarnate? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and every now and then you'll get like one person who says, I don't get it. Why do we let this person walk all over us? But, you know, it's then like kind of the fearful shrugs of the townspeople kind of answer the question, don't they? I mean, yeah, he, I'm, he, they probably do think of him as Satan. And the more they think of him, the more, the more power they give him, he, flaunts it as you said flagrantly i mean he revels in that i am such a wicked man i'm you know 
we just because these superstitious people, I refuse to bow down to a god and believe in this morality, this so-called morality. I'm going to use people because they're no good to me. Even everybody gets used. I still don't know how he has any friends. You know, does he have any friends? I I don't he remember. Does ever seen he doesn't. Well, yeah, he does at the beginning. He murders Antonio. his best friend. He murders his best friend. But I mean, like, it's like. How is, were these two friends? I mean, I can't see them hanging out and having a good time. Antonio is such a nice guy. <laughs> the only thing I can think of is that maybe Antonio's like, well, if I hang out with him enough, maybe he'll start to get nicer or something is the only thing I could think of because, <laughs> because you know, like how certain, certain people like, you know, you know, like, you know, like that, 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 that girl that always goes after like the, oh, he's a, he, he, He's an arsonist. He's horrible. But you know what? I think I can change him. That kind of thing. <laughs> <I think. laughs> well, were they childhood like, friends? I believe that's why they, they were, were friends. They were childhood friends. What games did this kid play when he was a kid? Like, can you <laughs> picture him playing anything that didn't like involve the death of some insect or animal? I don't. I can't. <laughs> well, think about it. It's like you know. Hey, you know. Good old, and now Coffin Joe's coming up to bat. Can you can you picture that? I can't playing basketball with Coffin Joe. I mean, come on, no one's gonna do that. And I can't picture Coffin Joe your... is not playing basketball with those nails. Exactly. No. <laughs> I think with uh, with Antonio, it could just be you know the childhood friend. He stays loyal to him despite his friend turning into a complete asshole. And at that point, it's sort of a you'd rather be at the right hand of evil than against it. You know. Right, right. That's what I went with on it, because no one else in their right mind would want to spend five minutes with this guy. Well, he's had, so he has those conversations in the movie over and over again where people come up to him and, and basically say that. Why are you friends with him? And he's like, well, let me talk to him. He, he I, I can talk to him. I can get through to him, especially when he's talking to his girlfriend or fiance, because at some point in the movie, he decides to ask his partner to marry him. And they're about to get married. And this is when Coffin Joe decides, you know what? Antonio's got to go. And in that time, Antonio's like to his girlfriend, hey, let me talk to him. I know you're creeped out by him. He, at that point, he didn't know that Coffin Joe essentially tried to rape her multiple times. <laughs> but um, there is he. There's something about their past that ties him to Coffin Joe for some unknown reason, which is horribly miscalculated. Because Coffin Joe eventually ends up murdering him in a pretty violent way. He murders everybody in a pretty violent way. But the first the, the first part of this movie is essentially a philosophical discussion about the the idea of what is atheism and what is Catholicism and can the two meet? Is one better than the other? And I think they're both pretty radical extremes of these ideas because we're, we're talking about old school, traditional Catholicism. And then I honestly, I don't know any atheists that are, as much of an asshole as Coffin Joe is. I mean, no, his but that's brand a, of atheism almost borderlines on psychotic. Well, it is. He is psychotic. His look how blood uh, when he get his eyes get all bloodshot and he gets goes all gets all pissy on people. Uh, but uh, I mean, but if you were to go to say like an extreme evangelist, 
uh, and certain pockets of where they live in evangelical communities all their lives. They live in very kind of sheltered lives. They, th- you know, I've heard this argument before from people, from people that you would, if you met them, you would think at first they were rational people would say like, well, atheists don't have any morality, do they? I mean, if they don't fear God, why would they? There are people who still believe this to this day. That's so such they, a I, stupid argument. It's such a stupid it, it question. Is, oh, it is. It is a stupid argument in, t- in 2017 America. But, but there are still people who believe that in 2017 America. So in 1960s Brazil, yeah, you better believe it. <laughs> you better believe it, buddy. <laughs> that they absolutely thought that it's not true in any sense of the word. But I mean, I've known. Uh, I've known some uh, atheists who are some of the best people I've ever met. I've known some Christians who are some of the worst. This, the uh, opposite is also true. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, th- th- we're not dealing with that. We're dealing with this melodramatic horror film that uh, gets away with the horrible things it does by positing itself as a morality tale. Right. And I think it's important that we, you know, we have this distinction where we sit and talk about because the movie really centers around a character as opposed to this. The story is kind of perfunctionary, to, to be honest. Yeah, it's it's the movie is more about this coffin Joe character and the ideas that are presented based on his personal philosophy. The first half of the movie really doesn't feel like much of a horror film other than the fact that it's shot in very stark black and white. Um, The opening credit sequence is very stylish and feels almost like a haunted house movie. Um, Some of the photography in the first half is dynamic. Um, In particular, there's a shot where Coffin Joe uh, on a religious holiday, he decides, you know what? We're not supposed to eat. Everyone's not eating meat. I think I'm going to go just to be a dick and buy a leg of lamb and sit and eat while a funeral procession walks outside. And I'm just going to smile and eat at them. He's a total asshole. That That is such an amazing. I'm sorry. I don't want to interrupt it. But, but that is such an amazing image. I, isn't it Good Friday or something like that? Something yeah. like that. Yes. Well, the most the most somber day in the Christian calendar, and it's this. It's it's before he's killed anybody, before he's done anything. And I, you know what? I w- gotta believe that in some communities, that was the most shocking image of all. That he sat there laughing while eating a a leg of lamb in his kind of ornate house as this very pious and humble funeral procession meant to symbolize the death of Christ marched on, you know, that's, it it is an absolutely blasphemous image. (laughs) And it's a beautiful shot. It's a very beautiful shot. It's incredible. It it sums up the movie for me. (laughs) It really does. It's amazing. It's yeah. a great introduction to Joe because he really hasn't done anything and you just see this egomaniacal man who just doesn't care about the people around him and their beliefs or customs and he just laughs to himself and it it sums up every bad bad thing that he's going to do without anything really evil or violent at all. He's just right. eating. But right. it's and just I- 
you can just tell that, oh, man, this guy doesn't give a shit. <laughs> he doesn't give a shit about fucking anything. <laughs> and I mean, after that point, the movie just kind of starts to descend into madness because eventually then, of course, he he kills his wife. He tr- basically attempts once to rape his, his buddy's girlfriend. He kills his buddy. Then he does rape his girlfriend. <laughs> he tries to get with uh, the barkeep, the local barkeep's young daughter and everyone in the in the town's like what the fuck's your problem get the fuck away from her but he just flashes some money and they all shut up he just flagrantly walks around like he can do anything in the world and then eventually the movie finally turns into this almost like a ghost movie it's all it really reminded me of like you remember the old jack nicholson flick the terror oh yeah yes it kind of reminds me of that because it almost becomes like a, a gothic crypt type movie. And uh, Coffin Joe starts hearing voices of the people that he's killed. And uh, the day it's on the Day of the Dead. And uh, there's this gypsy that tells him, hey, don't be going out after midnight or somebody's going to be coming for you and they're going to take your soul and you will not have any redemption or salvation whatsoever. And of course, Coffin Joe's like, oh, fuck yeah, I'll do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> And what happens, he ends up, the superstitions start getting to his head, and he starts going absolutely insane. So this is, uh, the movie itself, to me, I've always really liked it because it, it has, for a movie of its time, there's very few movies that were as philosophical as the first half of this movie is, even though it's very exploitive. I mean, it's it's shocking that out of Brazil, something like this came out of it because the the rapes and the deaths for that time, I bet you it was pretty racy. Yeah. I know this was banned in a bunch of different theaters when you tried to get it shown um, back in the day, but it was also one of the highest grossing movies of that time. It became such an, a huge hit for him that it basically cemented, you know, a career of being Coffin Joe for the rest of his fucking life. But uh, the movie itself is it, it, it mixes like this hard exploitation with kind of like this old um, Roger Corman uh, gothic sensibility. And like if a Hammer movie was made a little bit sooner than when it was and in Brazil. I've always kind of felt that way. Scott, what did you think of the style of this movie and how it was presented? When I was a kid, I was so scared of everything. You couldn't show me any scary movies. You couldn't show me any of this. And when I thought of what these black and white horror films must be like, this is what I thought they would be like. This film, You mentioned early on that the opening credits seemed like a haunted house. That's what this seems like to me. It lo- seems like a long haunted house. It. Uh, experience it seems like this experience where uh everything is feels like it comes right out of a nightmare i mean it's just how it's not just the it's not just you know how it's how it's shot it's also how it's photographed it's the sound it's the uh it's the effects that they use you know like how like when the whip he when he strikes the whip, it's always that same sound effect, which you know doesn't sound anything like a whip, <laughs> but it sounds so effective and perfect. Whoosh, whoosh, this this thing that he does, I can't imitate it. Uh, you know, and there's at one point in the end they use this um, effect 
which if I wanna I wanna say that I heard that he actually wound up like doing like putting like drawing or doing some kind of glitter or something on camera. Yep, he like, did on the film yeah. itself. And you think, oh god, that's gonna look like shit. And it kind of does, but it also kind of looks perfect. You know, and all every single thing, every it's so menacing. That's probably the best word I can think of it. This whole film is so menacing uh, that I love it. It seems it, it feels really like you know, like the uh, spook show spectaculars that Rob Zombie always tries to make, but you see like little hints of it and then it kind of goes a little more, okay, now we're going a little more conventional and then a the little hint here and you know, well, we do want to tell a story. So we're going to go over here. No, this really feels like the types of movies that, uh, seem like those spook show spectaculars that we hear of so much about, but rarely see. Yeah. But also it kind of feels like some of the, the harder edged exploitation, like the grimy exploitation of that time that was hidden in the drive-in circuits. You know, there's, there's something about it where it does have this very gothic kind of spook show feel to it, but then there's other instances where there's something much seedier going yeah. on under the surface. Yeah. And as we, as, as uh, Jose would go on, he would go on to make a lot of sexploitation films, mostly out of necessity because he couldn't get funding to do anything else. But there is this weird mixture at a time when that kind of thing just didn't happen, especially in Brazil. Everything is cranked up so far. Everything is accentuated so much. It, it's Everything is always on this like fever pitch of 11 so that the uh, nightmarish scary sequences seem so intense. And then those shocking scenes of violence, they seem so much more violent, probably more violent than they actually are. Even. Right. Because like when somebody like gets hit, they'll get hit and then you'll like see their face get bloodied in frame, you know, <laughs> and, right. you know, stuff like that. All this stuff that really makes you it really seem like, oh, my God. This is not I, – I might not be in the hands of people who wish me well <laughs> watching this movie. You know? you know, you can just always you – know, you, I, might, I might be in the hands of people who really might have diabolical intentions, you know? And uh, that's one of the, those things that makes this movie stand out so much. Yeah, and I think the big thing that stands out beyond all of this that we're talking about – is Jose Moica Marin playing Coffin Joe? He is an absolutely menacing presence on screen from the first frame of this movie. The beginning of this movie ha has literally my favorite intro to a movie ever. It's just Coffin Joe standing in the woods, looking at the screen, basically telling you his philosophy on life. And it sets the tone for everything that happens afterward. You totally get that character as soon as he gets in. And then you just see him run rampant through the entire movie. And I think if you got anybody else to jump in that character, I don't think it would have worked half as well as it does because he just embodies it. He just goes for it and never breaks that character. Seth, what do you think of him playing this Coffin Joe character? He knew exactly what he wanted out of Coffin Joe and turned into Coffin Joe. I think 
the other actor dropping out is the best thing that could have happened to this movie. He knew exactly what the character was from, you said, uh, this was spawned out of a nightmare he had, wrote the character and became that character through you know several decades of film. And I don't think anyone else could pull it off. I'm interested because I've never actually seen it. There's really only three Coffin Joe movies, even though there's a ton of Coffin Joe movies with Coffin Joe in the title. It's like a host, almost like he's the Crypt Keeper in a lot of these movies. But uh, there's only three of them. I've seen the first two, which is At Midnight, I'll Take Your Soul. Um, This Night, I'll Possess Your Corpse. And then all these years later, I believe, like, has it almost been 10 years? He made the embodiment of evil. I mean, yeah, this yeah, is it was an like, old it was, individual. He's not a young dude. Yeah. Have you, any of you guys seen the newest Coffin Joe movie? Oh, yeah. I have it on Blu-ray. Wow. It's great. Is it great? Yeah, I've been it's meaning really to good. It, it fits right in. Yeah, it feels like it feels like. Uh, I mean, somebody who didn't have a huge budget to do it, but I mean, it feels like it feels like, you know, Coffin Joe comes back to do a movie today and it's exactly what it feels like. Yeah, Yeah, it it Seth said it perfectly. It fits right in with the other two. Awesome. I can't wait to check that one. I've been meaning to because a while back when it was originally released, it was released as a trilogy with Awakening the Beast which is a totally disconnected movie. It's an amazingly psychotropic and weird tripped out flick, but it is not a coffin Joe movie whatsoever. So I've always been wanting to, to check that one out. So let's go ahead and move on to what we think is perhaps the best bit of this movie. Scott, what would you say is probably your favorite part of this movie? I already said it. It's, it's, it's the beginning. I mean, it's so weird to say because there's all these other great bits to the movie, um, you know, and there's so many shocking bits. But I'm sorry, I love that early scene of him eating the la- leg of lamb as the procession passes. I, that's why I j- jumped up and interrupted everybody like an asshole when it came up for the first time. Is <laughs> because I, I just I think that sets the tone so perfectly for this movie. I mean, and this is a movie that's all about setting the tone. Let's forget. This has starts out with two opening narrations yes. that address the the audience directly. It starts out with Coffin Joe doing it, as you mentioned. Then we have the credits, which are like, as you said, the great on a house credits. Then we have the gypsy yes. addressing the camera. It's like, just in case you didn't get the hint, you know, of like, you're what kind of movie you're about to watch. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, okay, we get it. You know, <laughs> you, you, you know what? You've got my, you've got my, my dollar. Let's go. Oh, but, that's just um, telling you to get the hell out of there. Yeah, I know. But it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but in that kind, of, put in that kind of way, like, ooh, yeah. you don't want. If anybody's too faint-hearted to deal with this, please leave now. It's like, oh yeah, we should go. No, no one's gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> too late. We're already ten minutes into this fucker. <laughs> and it's like, no. My favorite part is that early scene. I mean, even though it is not by modern audience standards anything shocking. It is so shocking, uh, taking everything into account uh, about where this is coming from and how this is setting the tone for just what a gleefully wicked and evil man this is. So I, I loved that. I loved that bit. 
Yeah, I love that bit as well. I think it really does set the tone. Uh, Seth, what's your favorite part of uh, At Midnight, I'll Take Your Soul? I think it is uh, right before the grand finale, the climax, uh, after he has committed his murders, he is trancing through the graveyard, just shouting and screaming maniacal shit, mocking the dead, completely talking about, uh, you know, come out of your graves if you want your revenge and just, you know, all sorts of blasphemous, disrespectful stuff while walking all over tombstones and <laughs> and graves. And such an this, is, this is a man that the whole movie, I mean, plot wise, is he wants a son to continue his bloodline. He's not an unattractive guy. Nah. You take off the silly ass hat and cut in your the shitty out. in the shitty beard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Clean yourself up a little bit. You've got a good job. You've got money. You can yourself <laughs> a wife. You don't have to fucking kill everybody and be the biggest asshole on earth. <laughs> you could get your son and we'd be good to go. But instead, he's right, you know, on a romp through the graveyard, just shouting, you know, mocking the dead. Right before he goes absolutely nuts, and we have the you know the the finale of the film and the closing of the film. I think that was a brilliant performance by him, completely losing his mind in the graveyard. And I think it just took everything that Coffin Joe was about and represented throughout the movie and put it full force into that scene. Yeah, I I think the best part of this movie is the performance of Coffin Joe. I think. If you're going to take anything away from this is just like you after this movie, you want to see what's going to happen next, even though spoilers. He supposedly dies at the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we know because there's multiple movies. He doesn't in the rest of the, the series is just him looking to fuck even more. Because that's what the whole series is about, is just to get his fuck on. He wants to get his fuck on so he can have a son. That's the whole point of the entire series. If you look at it from a straightforward, like, face value plot synopsis, yeah, it's about a a total asshole atheist who wants to get his fuck on so he can have a son. That's it. Like That's the point of a Coffin Joe movie. Um, And then, of course, all this other heady philosophical stuff that we've been talking about. But it is that Coffin Joe character. It's just so striking. So like it's so he's so charismatic in that role. He's like it's very rare in a movie that I'll sit and watch something and there'll be a character that is such a complete asshole that I'll sit and want to watch him. For the rest of the movie, usually I'll be like, oh, this is turning me off big time. But there's something about Coffin Joe was just like, what the fuck is this crazy asshole going to do next? You don't know. You really don't know. So that's my favorite thing about Coffin Joe. And um, really, I, I think this is one of those unsung movies that I think a lot of underground fiends have all seen. A lot of underground uh, cult film fans know who Coffin Joe is. Have more than likely seen at midnight. I'll take your soul, but I think it's the kind of movie that more people should check out because even though it is, it was made back in the sixties, back in 1963, it still feels fresh today. It's still like a lot of the points it makes still still feel extremely relevant today. Because like uh, Scott and I were discussing before. There's still discussions about people of whether or not atheists aren't the devil. Well, look at the look at how you know what. Even look about at uh, 
in America, how many times do you see a survey come out about what popular opinion is of atheists? Now, I'm not an atheist personally. Uh, I but, am. I don't. Uh, yeah, most of my friends are. It seems to be. You know, I'm pretty close, close at times. But I'm like, nah, I just can't bring myself. But look, look at the look at the uh, opinions of a- of atheists, and it's always like shockingly bad <laughs> negative opinion like and it's like overwhelmingly negative opinion of atheists even though more and more people are cons- counting themselves as atheists today mm-hmm. you know it, it's uh but yeah i mean he um you were mentioning uh earlier that this uh see that a lot of people would see his philosophy as the as actually the foundations of Satanism, the Church of the uh, uh, I, from what I know, I've not read a- enough of the materials to know. I mean, the the early material I, I found was like all basically you know anti propaganda and stuff like that. And so only later on did I actually like start looking, start like actually hearing what it was really about. But I guess the actual church of Satan, that is what they are talking about. They're talking about like, no, no, you raise the self up and you don't place faith in gods and stuff like that. There is no actual worship of that. And that's, he is, he does kind of mirror that. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, to this day, to this day, there is this disconnect about what all of this means and uh, he is this embodiment of all the boogeyman stories you hear <laughs> about godlessness, you know? Yeah, 100%. Totally. So this is, I think, the kind of movie that isn't dating itself whatsoever. It doesn't feel like a movie from the early 60s whatsoever to me. It still feels like something that that is striking a raw nerve. And that's what I think is so endearing and watchable about this movie. You can say endearing about a movie about a dude that just goes around and rapes and kills people the entire fucking movie and eats legs of lamb like it's going out of style. But uh, this movie is literally one of my favorite exploitation movies of all time. And I'm glad we got to sit and have this conversation about it. And I'm hoping more people get out there and start checking this out. And that's kind of the point of what I wanted to do with some of this, um, the, the August director's month series is to highlight some exploitation films and directors that I think should get a little more notice. And I think a lot of people know who coffin Joe is, but for some reason, I never hear anyone talking about it. I don't get it. Why not? Why are people talking about coffin Joe? I'm hoping they start talking about it a little bit more. So let's go ahead and let's go down the line. I think it's obvious we all really dug this movie, but let's go ahead and give our final thoughts on uh, At Midnight, I'll Take Your Soul. Seth, closing out, what do you got to say about it? Fantastic film, mixes styles, kind of horror tropes and styles brilliantly. Beautiful performance from Jose Mojica Marins. Two big thumbs up. If you're into cult film and horror and have neglected, this movie, get on it. Just get on it. It's available easily now from uh, Synapse in the U.S., so there's no excuse. Yeah, if you want a good copy of it on DVD, you can get it there. But it can be gotten for free online because it is in the public domain, supposedly. So it's on the Internet Archive. You can find it there. It's on YouTube. You can watch it on YouTube. 
without having a guilty conscience about watching it for free. So you, there can you go. no excuse. Yeah, there's absolutely no excuse to not watch this movie. Scott, final thoughts. It's fantastic. It's a, uh, uh, it is a, you know, a haunted house, uh, descent into the abyss of the darkness of this one person's soul and you can either look at it as a film that gleefully explores that or as a morality tale that warns against the dangers of that it has something for everybody it is a done in the classic gothic horror style but it's also just cheap and gaudy and violent enough to appeal to even the most purient uh exploitation fans i mean coffin show it's it's it, it coffin Joe's a winner and at midnight i'll take your soul is just it, it's the one that started all and it's a classic it's an absolute classic and if you're a fan of this movie you need to go check out the sequel this night i'll possess your corpse um, it just takes everything that's in at midnight. I'll take your soul and ramps it up. It's almost a remake. It's it's pretty much the same movie, but it just is a, a little more stylish. I almost like that movie a little bit better just because I think the opening credits of this night, I'll possess your corpse is one of my favorite credit sequences of all time. I think it's evil. I mean, what he's able to accomplish in camera in that opening credit sequence has always blown me away. And I just think with sound design in the visuals, because as you had said before, there was that sequence where he put the glitter on the camera negative and mm-hmm. it played just fine. He's doing more of that kind of stuff in the opening credit sequence of This Night I'll Possess Your Corpse. It so, is a, it's a great movie. I, I love the spider sequence in the sequel. <laughs> totally. I love that shit. That's why I, I can't wait to finally check out Embodiment of Evil. I've been meaning to forever. I have a copy of it. For some reason, I just haven't gotten around to it. Maybe this is the time I finally will. But if you you should definitely first go check out At Midnight, I'll Take Your Soul. If you like this, there's a whole world of Coffin Joe just waiting for you. So you need to go check it out. So thumbs up for here from everyone at Astro Radio Z. Now is the portion of the show where we shamelessly shill the fuck out of you, Mr. Scott Davis. You can shill first. Uh, you can normally check me at moviocrity.com. Once again, we've kind of gone to a period of uh, an extended period where I haven't done anything with it because, well, I've been kind of getting my life together in the last few months, moved to a whole new place, getting a whole new job, finding a whole new place to live, <laughs> all, all that fun stuff. So I haven't had time to it. I will be returning to it. So please check out moviocrity.com and check out my old web series, which I hope to get back to one day, Moviocrity, which you can catch at vimeo.com slash channel slash Moviocrity. Mr. Seth Ballin. You can find me at uh, Celluloid Terror at Blogspot on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube for uh, horror, cult, exploitation, film, and uh, home video reviews. And that's it. Well, folks, as we're coming to a close here, just going to let you know next episode in our director series is going to be Russ Myers Motor Psycho. So go check it out. Then come on back and listen to our episode next week. So take care and please file those disgusting fucking fingernails. Nobody needs five to ten inch long curled fingernails. Fucking revolting. I know you like coughing, Joe. Just get rid of the fuckers. It's gross. Zip, dunk, coyote. Zip, 
can find Astro Radio Z on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, YouTube, and anywhere podcasts are found. Please, help us by subscribing, rating the show, and giving us a review. It helps us get the show out to more listeners. Also, if you would like to hear more of the show and be a more active participant, join the Astro Radio Z Facebook group and page, and join the Patreon. For only $1 a month, you get bonus episodes. Thank you for listening. See you next week, Astro Zombies. His creepy voice told his tale. Wake up.